Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got the latest on Kevin McCarthy's bid for speaker. Number two, the state of play in the Senate. And number three, look at Speaker Pelosi and her leadership's future as their chances for the majority dwindles. All right, let's get into it. Of course, all eyes are on the House uh, and Kevin McCarthy, who is going to stand in front of his colleagues at 1 p.m. today, Eastern Time, for the second time in seven years, asking for their support to be Speaker of the House. Of course, this comes as House Republicans have all but sealed up their majority in the 118th Congress as key races were called Monday night in New York, Arizona, and California in favor of GOP candidates and incumbents. What you might be hearing there is a big sigh of relief uh, by McCarthy and his allies. Now, of course, in 2015, a well-organized conservative uprising derailed the less prepared and much greener McCarthy, paving the way for Paul Ryan to become speaker. But McCarthy's opposition today is a bit listless and disorganized as the 57-year-old California Republican tries to navigate what's expected to be a paper-thin GOP majority to win a speaker vote. That is set for January 3rd, which is 49 days from now. In reality, today's vote is the beginning of a truly seven-week grind by McCarthy and his team to whittle away at any dissent to ascension to the speaker's chair. So let's talk about how, first of all, we think you should be viewing today's election. So this is the private closed ballot vote that House Republicans are going to take. Uh, McCarthy is going to win this secret ballot. Full stop. He is going to fall far short, though, of the 218 he needs to get on the House floor come January 3rd. So that delta is what he's going to need to be really focused on making up in the next 49 days. McCarthy's critics are going to say this is a sign of weakness. And that's a totally fair viewpoint in some ways. McCarthy doesn't need to, of course, reach that 218 magic number until January 3rd. And let's put it into some historical context, right? Because you're going to see a lot of the more conservative, you know, part of the House Republican conference come forward to say and, and try to get a bunch of concessions for him. But remember, Paul Ryan lost 43 votes inside the Republican conference before winning on the floor the next day. Ryan, though, had a much bigger majority than this one will be. Pelosi also uh, has lost uh, votes historically. Um, You know, McCarthy noted in an interview with Punchbowl News yesterday that she lost 32 votes when nobody was running. Of course, McCarthy was referring to the November 2018 vote inside the Democratic caucus's Speaker Nancy Pelosi sought to make a comeback after eight years in the minority. McCarthy remains confident he will ultimately become the 53rd speaker, and he's downplayed the threat of Republicans blocking him on the floor. He said, oh, there could be somebody, but it's coming together. Team McCarthy says they believe today will be a turning point. In their view, once McCarthy formally becomes the GOP nominee for speaker, there will be a quote-unquote rally around the winner movement inside the Republican conference. 
Now, McCarthy is going to have a challenger. Representative Andy Biggs, the Republican from Arizona, announced on Newsmax Monday night that he'll be nominated to take McCarthy on. Biggs didn't declare in time for the candidate form yesterday, so McCarthy took nearly 30 minutes of questions from his GOP colleagues. Biggs took none. To be clear, Biggs is going to get the anti-McCarthy vote, but he won't win. So what's next? If the conservatives succeeded at anything so far, they've made it abundantly clear that McCarthy needs to get to the negotiating table in order to get to 218. They have all of the leverage before this speaker vote. And in McCarthy's office, there's a broad understanding that he's going to have to make some concessions. For example, McCarthy seems open to expanding the steering committee, the panel that makes decisions about committee assignments. This is a request from the House Freedom Caucus as a way to cut into McCarthy's power. The California Republican seems willing to make this concession to help conservatives feel bought into this leadership team. You're going to hear a lot of people ask McCarthy over the next 49 days whether he has the votes to become speaker. From our perspective, ignore this question until about late December or early January. It's in the conservatives' interest to drag this process out as long as possible in order to extract concessions from McCarthy. Remember, McCarthy is exceedingly motivated to become speaker. That means he's willing to give up a lot, and conservatives understand that and will use it to their advantage. So here's why McCarthy will likely win. One, (laughs) as Pelosi often says, you can't beat something with nothing. There's no one else. We haven't given too much credence to the there's no one else argument because conservatives truly don't have an alternative. They just don't want McCarthy. That being said, there are actually no other Republicans at the moment who can get 218 votes. The anti-McCarthy shtick will also wear thin. At some point, there will be only a handful of Republicans standing between McCarthy and the speakership. This will become incredibly incredibly frustrating to the rest of the House GOP, which is certain to say it's time to elect a speaker and get on with the business of governing. There's also real risk in letting this drag on. Consider the comment that Representative Don Bacon, the Republican from Nebraska, told said to NBC News. He said, I will quote, Support Kevin McCarthy, but if we do get to that point, I do want the country to work and we need to govern. We can't sit neutral. We can't have gridlock for two years. He told NBC News that if the GOP conference can't agree to elect McCarthy or any other Republican as Speaker in the House floor, he would then be willing to work with Democrats to elect a moderate Republican for the top post. And here's why McCarthy may lose. We think McCarthy has lots of time to get to 218, of course, as we've completely laid out here in the in the in the past several minutes. But all available evidence to the point suggests he's going to get there. But if Republicans have 221 or 222 votes and the conservative opposition refuses to ever back McCarthy, he doesn't have much room to to maneuver. Also worth noting. All Republican leadership elections will be held today, including the hotly contested race for GOP whipped between Representatives Jim Banks from Indiana, Drew Ferguson from Georgia, and NRCC Chair Tom Emmer. Um, And also, as often happens in these races, we've got a swag alert. Representative Elise Stefanik, who is running for a second term as GOP conference chair, is giving her colleagues hand-forged iron elephant bookends painted in gold. 
These are made in Saratoga Springs, New York. Her staff drove 2,000 pounds of these elephants from New York to D.C. Let's go on to the number two story of the morning, bracing for impact. Senate Republicans prepare to air it out. It is going to be an airing of the grievances day in the on the Senate side as Republicans gather for the first time since the party's lackluster midterm performance on Election Day. Facing another two years in the Senate minority, top Republicans have bucked calls to delay leadership elections, which are currently set for Wednesday in the old Senate chamber. Instead, senior Senate Republicans are pushing ahead with that process while openly acknowledging that today's party lunch could get messy. It also comes as former President Donald Trump is preparing to launch another bid for the White House, his third in seven years. A lot of the leadership acknowledging that it is going to be a tough day. Uh, Senate Minority Whip John Thune telling reporters, quote, we'll clear the air a little bit and then hopefully we can all unite and go after the Georgia seat. The quote unquote family discussion comes as a handful of Senate Republicans, including NRSC chair Rick Scott, have called to push the elections until after the Georgia Senate runoff next month. Scott on Monday declined to say whether he challenged Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell while reiterating his support for a delay in the election. But despite demands from Trump to ditch McConnell after Republicans poor showing last week, the idea hasn't gained much, if any, traction within the conference. And McConnell said he isn't worried about a challenge from Scott or anyone else. He said on Monday, quote unquote, of course, he has the votes to win another term as GOP leader. We will be following all of this very closely throughout the day. So if you don't already, you should definitely sign up for our premium editions because midday is going to be busting with news. Let's move on to the number three story of the morning. A leader look, Speaker Pelosi, Hoyer, and Clyburn face their future as their majority dwindles. With House Democrats majority on the verge of disappearing, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, and Majority Whip Jim Clyburn face that moment they've all been dreading, the end of their historic run. Republicans currently stand at 217 seats won, meaning they only need one more to ensure they have a majority in the next Congress. The trio, all now in their 80s, are going to have to decide individually and collectively whether they step aside for a new generation of Democratic leaders or force a showdown on remaining in place. On Monday, the trio huddled with their new members-elect and longtime colleagues in Statuary Hall just off the House floor. Interestingly enough, Pelosi, 82, sat next to 25-year-old Maxwell Alejandro Frost, the first person from the Generation Z elected to Congress. Pelosi didn't want to talk about her future or report that President Joe Biden asked her to stay on into the next Congress. Pelosi is still dealing with the fallout from the brutal attack against her husband, Paul Pelosi, in the couple's San Francisco home, an attack aimed at her. She said she told reporters, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about we're talking about winning this election. There's a path. There's a path. We did better than any better than any of you all predicted. Hoyer has also declined to comment, and Clyburn joked that he was still looking for the red wave that was supposed to appear on Election Day and didn't. So this is going to be something that we watch very closely, especially what happens with the leadership team underneath uh, the trio. 
What happens with Democratic Caucus Chair Hakeem Jeffries? Um, it is going to be something that is going to be very interesting to see and also where Democrats in the House end up uh, either coalescing against the, the with or against the trio, we don't quite know yet. So one something to watch in the coming uh, hours and days. We will be all over it. Uh, just a reminder, we have a ton of events that are kicking off this week in November. Uh, Jake is going to be sitting down on Wednesday with Senator Mark Warner, the Democrat from Virginia, to talk about all of the news of the day, plus uh, the impact of 5G on energy. We also have uh, a virtual conversation with Representative Susan Delbeni on November 21st and a conversation with outgoing Senator Roy Blunt on the future of democracy, voting rights reform, and much more on November 29th. You can sign up to stream those conversations uh, or join in person for those that are in person at our events hub at punchbowl.news. With that, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Leave us a rating and review. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News and our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.